Good morning again. I'm going to pray for us one more time because during the time that I'm normally reviewing my notes, we were opening presents. So this could be a little dicey if I don't pray for us. So let me pray. Lord, I pray that you would be with us. We know that you are for us. We know that you love us. And we know this because you did not spare your only son, that you had him born into our world to take on human flesh, to become one who would be a sacrifice for all of us, and then rise again to conquer death. And this is for all of us. And I pray that we would see that story beginning in this passage, and that we would see that story continuing in our life, or even for some of us, beginning for the first time. We pray that you would move us towards Jesus and that we would follow the truth where it leads and have the courage to look at ourselves through your eyes and through the words of this text. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In a hole in the ground, there lived a hobbit, not a nasty, dirty, wet hole filled with the ends of worms and an oozy smell, nor yet a dry, bare, sandy hole with nothing in it to sit down on or eat. It was a hobbit hole. And that means comfort. In the hobbit hole, of course, there is comfort in the shire. There is predictability. There is routine. There is normalcy. But then who would come and visit? Gandalf. And he would bring his stories of adventure and his tales of death-defying feats. And the hobbits would listen, but they would listen with a little bit of fear. They wouldn't want to go with them because hobbits don't have room in their lives for adventures like the ones that Gandalf talks about. But one hobbit did. Bilbo consents and is taken up in an adventure with Gandalf and his tidy little comfortable world is turned upside down. And he's soon sleeping on the ground and going without all of the meals of the day and risking his life and fighting spiders. His normal life is turned upside down. Mary is someone who is very, very normal, and she shows up in chapter 1, which we didn't read, but she's not old enough to have done anything all that adventurous. She's likely a young teen. She's not had time to do much that wrong. She hasn't ventured probably like Bilbo hasn't left the Shire. She hasn't left Nazareth, and suddenly an angel shows up. And wants her to take on an adventure. And you see that God takes normal people and He unfits their normalness. He turns their comfortable, tidy, predictable worlds completely upside down. He untidies their lives. And He throws them and He throws you and I into a world of untidiness, of vulnerability, of neediness, of messiness, but of adventure and of excitement and he gives us stories to tell. And there are three characters in chapter 1 and chapter 2 that Jesus is born to, that he invites on an adventure. And we see first in chapter 1 that he's born unto Mary. And she's a very young girl, early teens, but her life is now falling into place. She has a future. She has a predictable future, a comfortable future, because in that time and in that place in the world, One of the most critical pieces of a young girl's story is finding a man to marry, and she's found a good man. She's found Joseph, and she's very young and sheltered, but her world is starting to make sense. She has good prospects for her future, but then 
Then the angel shows up. Gabriel shows up. And he steps into her story and turns it upside down. When Gandalf shows up in the Shire, there's a celebration, there's a party, there's fireworks. But there's uneasiness, there's tension. Because he might bring dragons near, or he might take the hobbits to go fight dragons. The hobbits know their life is about to change. You might be swept up into one of his adventures. When the angel of God shows up, there's reason to celebrate. There's reason to throw a party because it's a magnificent event, but it's also terrifying because life will never be the same again. The tidy world that Mary has built, the tidy world that you have built, when you meet Jesus, when the angel of the Lord shows up in your life, it's thrown into disarray. Your predictable future is gone. The angel says to Mary, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Do not be afraid. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will never end. What Gabriel is laying upon this little child is amazing. It's astounding that her son will sit on the throne of David. David's throne has not existed for nearly a thousand years. It's dead and gone. But she knows these promises of a Messiah that will come and take up the throne and will reign again, not not only over Israel, but over all the world. And now that's going to be her son, This 13, 14-year-old girl, that's the message that she's receiving. But maybe more astounding, God's son will be your son, Mary. God will take on flesh. He will be human. And this little girl will be his mother. This whole thing is just so unbelievable. And it's quite scandalous because, you see, she gets to go and tell Joseph that on their wedding day, she's going to be pregnant. And in this tidy little tight-knit community, everyone that knows these two are getting married will now see Mary pregnant. It's a bit of a shotgun wedding. One minute, her future is secure, her life is in order, and the next that she's the neighborhood tramp. And what's her story? (laughs) I saw an angel and I'm pregnant with the Son of God. Sure, Mary, no one's going to believe that. But you see, God takes normal people and He unfits their normalness and normalcy. Bilbo is drawn out of his comfortable routine, his tidy little hobbit hole, and he's hurled into the unknown, sleeping on the ground and fighting dragons and spiders. But now he has a story to tell. Now he's really lived The angel Gabriel comes to Mary, and her world is turned upside down. She's invited. She's maybe drafted, we could say, into a story, into an adventure. And how does she respond? I am the Lord's servant, she answered. May it be to me as you have said. Friends, the story of Christmas is not safe. It's not predictable. It's not tidy. 
It's unsafe. It's adventurous. But first you have to identify what it is in your life that you're holding on to for comfort. What is your safety blanket? What is your hobbit hole that you are fearful to leave because the world out there looks so untidy and unpredictable and frankly dangerous? What would you give up? What would you give away? What would you attempt if you knew that the words to Mary, that the Lord is with you, are applied to you? How would it change your life? Or maybe you're asking a different question this morning. You're here because it's Christmas, and you're here once a, once a year. You're here once in a very long time. You haven't been to church in quite some time, and we're so delighted that you've joined us, that you've joined us today. Maybe it's because you're at the end of the rope, the end of your rope. Life doesn't make sense anymore. If you receive this story as true, I want to tell you and be honest with you, that first of all, before you get the healing and your world put back together, your world has to come further apart, and it will disrupt everything about who you are and where you're going. But the flip side is you also get eternal hope, and He grants His eternal favor, and He says, do not be afraid. He's born to Mary. He's born, secondly, to the shepherds. We can understand the language of a baby being born to Mary, but chapter 2 has this very interesting passage. At one time, all of us have received a birth announcement in the mail, or maybe we've got a, gotten a phone call from a friend who has just had a baby, and we hear or we read, it's a boy, it's a girl, or maybe you gave birth in the time where the dads weren't allowed in the uh, delivery room, and the nurse comes out and says, you have a son. Now, why did the angel say to these shepherds, there has been born to you a Savior? I know it's Christmas and it's noisy in here, but we've got to talk about the Greek for a minute. This is in what's called the dative case, and it means that you give something to someone directly, and there's no corresponding tense in the English language. It's a very peculiar thing to say to a bunch of male shepherds. A child has been born to you. Far from some generic birth announcement, he is saying in the very particular ways, this Savior has been born unto you. Which could be a way of saying that Jesus Christ had been born for them. There's a very specific purpose behind this birth, one that will end up affecting all that these shepherds do from then on in a very personal, in a very particular way. The Savior came for them. They were involved in Jesus' birth in a way far more dramatic than simply hearing an announcement. They were caught up in an adventure. Go now to Bethlehem where what I have told you will be seen as true. But there's a third person that Jesus is born unto in this passage. When I receive a, a birth announcement from one of you, I'm really excited for you. But now having parented four children through the early stages of childhood, I'm really glad it's you and not me. 
It doesn't involve me in the same way that it involves you. I get the birth announcement, but I'm only marginally or tangentially involved in that life. Getting a birth announcement is very different from having my life changed and turned upside down and not sleeping and being tied to this other human being for so many hours during the day. But this child that is born to Mary and born to the shepherds is also born to you. Jesus' birth announcement involves us all, and it's as much to you as it is to Mary and to the shepherds. And I can declare to you this Christmas day, all these years later, that the Savior was born unto you. And this means He's born to deal with all of your hidden pain and all of your hidden guilt and all of your hidden shame that you've dragged along with you, probably for quite some time, maybe dragged into the sanctuary in spite of all of the happiness and all of the gifts being given. There's this ache in you that you know something is not quite fit and not quite right. Jesus was born to deal with that in your life. He's born to meet you in your personal tragedy and your personal failure and all the ways that you failed to live up even to your own moral commitments before we even talk about what God expects of you. The story lets me declare to you this morning, this Christmas, that whoever you are, wherever you are coming from, whatever you've done in your past, this angel's voice is for you. There has been born into this world a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this Savior is born to you and for you. Let's pray. Dear God, we pray that you would make this passage to be real to us. That in the hustle and bustle of whatever we're involved in the rest of the day, I pray that you would resonate this story deep within our soul. That whatever we're dealing with, whatever we're struggling with, whatever we're wrestling with, whether we're on the other side of the faith or whether we're just beginning or whether we don't know where to start, I pray that you would meet us and that you would walk into our worlds that we try to control and we try to keep tidy and that you would untidy them, that you would mess with our commitments and all of the ideas about our future that we hold to so tightly. Would you help us to relinquish that grip, if only just a little bit, today. Lord, I pray as we continue to worship, as we come to your table, let us be fed. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.